Change in Management, Chapter 2. In the hours of video Meade watched of his opponent's fights, Chow knocked out 90% of the fighters facing him within the first two rounds. Only one managed to make it past the fourth round, and he ended up in traction for six months. Not only was Chow an experienced fighter, he was a master at timing the switch between zero-g and enhanced gravity. One moment he'd be flying a dozen feet overhead a man, and the next he'd be behind him, dealing a devastating roundhouse kick. Meade knew there was no way he could compete in a toe-to-toe knockdown dragout fight with the man, nor was he as agile as Chow while navigating the gravity circles. The secret to beating Chow was waiting for him to get tired. Chow is in fantastic shape. He obviously spent a huge amount of time sculpting his body into the 235-pound powerhouse he'd become, but all that effort came with a weakness. After four rounds of carrying all that muscle around, Chow would get frustrated and tired, especially in plus-G environments. And that's all Meade had to wait for. That's when Chow usually began to make his mistakes, in the later rounds. He guessed that the anger Chow felt when he failed to put someone down within the first few rounds degraded the man's judgment and made him impatient. And that was a weakness Meade could exploit. All he had to do was survive the first few rounds. And since he was no slouch in the ring himself, he was looking forward to seeing how the fight would play out. The bell sounded through the arena. The crowd leapt to its feet as Chow approached me quickly and threw the first punch. Me leaned back and felt the speed and power that had nearly taken his jaw off whiz by in front of him. He followed up with Chow's initial missed punch with a shot to the right ribcage and felt his hand explode in pain. He grunted, drawing back from Chow, shaking his hand. Meade nearly broken it while attempting to punch what should have been the soft meat of Chow's side. Instead, it felt like he'd just punched concrete. Chow grimaced slightly and turned back towards Meade as he threw a haymaker at him. It felt like Chow had brought the hammer of God down on Meade's head. He fell to the ground, having had his bell thoroughly rung. Dazed, he looked up through the stars just in time to see Chow bringing his foot down on his head to try and finish the job. He rolled out of the way just in the nick of time and retreated to his corner of the ring as Chow cautiously followed him. Meade brought his arm up to his temple and felt the slick, warm heat of blood flowing down his ear. His eyes narrowed and he looked closer at his opponent who was still stalking him around the ring. Chow hit hard, but nobody hit that hard and his fists had felt like steel. Meade cocked his head, peering at his opponent's thin fighting gloves. There, he could see the individual bumps of Chow's knuckles protruding, which didn't look quite right. That's when it struck him. The bastard had brass knuckles, literally. Cyber enhancement had become incredibly popular for the general public over the last few years, but it usually came with strict regulations. For instance, a fighter who fought in the Zero-G leagues was prohibited from having anything unnatural installed on his person that might give him an unfair advantage over a natural-born human being. Meade felt his right hand throbbing and he shook it, hoping to relieve the pain. He had no doubt that in addition to the brass knuckles, Chow likely had body armor installed under his skin. The man had to be in incredible pain. Officials scanned fighters shortly before each match in order to avoid situations just like this. That meant Chow had microsurgery just moments before their match. Any half-decent surgeon could do the surgery, too much anesthesia, and Chow wouldn't be able to effectively fight too little, and he'd be disabled by the pain. Generally, cyber enhancement surgery took a person two to three weeks to fully recover, and here was Chow fighting in one of the most brutal places on Mars less than 10 minutes after his surgeries. Meade wiped the blood out of his eye and realized this fight just got a whole lot tougher than he'd ever imagined. 
Fifty to one was generous, he thought to himself, continuing his cautious retreat. The crowd didn't like it. They came to see a fight. Not two men chasing each other around the ring. They booed me, throwing cups and bottles, some lit on fire as they crashed against the cage. But he didn't care. He was still trying to stay away from Chow's deadly fists. A circle near him flashed green and a red zero appeared. Mead ran towards the circle and jumped as he felt gravity let go. He floated up to the top of the ring and pushed his feet off the side and floated over Chow. He landed gracefully behind his opponent and swept the man's legs out from under him. Chow went down hard. Mead retreated to the circle next to them that was now flashing and waited patiently for his opponent to get back up. Chow recovered, growled, and turned to see Mead standing behind him, a smirk on his face. Chow roared and charged at him. Waiting for the last possible instant, Mead jumped just as the flashing circle he was standing on flipped from normal green to zero G. He flew up and over Chow as the brutal fighter charged but found nothing but empty space. Chow lost his footing and crashed headfirst into one of the metal poles that held up the ring. The crowd roared in approval of Mead's sudden move as he slowly landed back into the middle of the ring. He knew he couldn't allow himself a second of celebration. Chow might be slow in getting up, but it was only the first round and there was still a long fight ahead of them. The bell rang, ending the first round, giving Mead a chance to recover. He walked back to his corner where Emmeline was waiting with his water bottle and spit bucket. He removed his mouth guard and let Emmeline spray some water into his mouth. He's got body armor, Mead said, his face grim. He checked the free-flowing wound on his head. I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to beat him if he's wearing that. You'll beat him, Emmeline said, trying to reassure him. It's either that or he kills you. Mead shook his head and put his mouth guard back in. Well, thanks for the pick-me-up, Em. The bell rang and Mead stood. Round two, double the gravity, double the fun. Chow wasted no time. The second the bell rang, he sprinted over to Mead's corner and began throwing punches trying to overwhelm him. He didn't expect a direct attack like this. Zero-G fights were usually a bit more graceful than just a knockdown dragout fight. Besides, his head and body were taking shot after shot from Chow's enhanced fists, and it hurt. As hard as the man was hitting him, Mead felt sure that he would need a few days in sickbay to recover. But if he wanted to recover at all, he'd need to start doing a better job of keeping out of Chow's reach. Suddenly, Chow connected with a blow to Mead's right arm that left it numb and useless. He cried out in pain and braced one foot against the pole where Chow had backed him up, shoving hard, pushing Chow off of him and into a 2G circle. Chow fell to the ground harder than normal thanks to the enhanced gravity. However, most fighters trained in 2G gravity so they would be able to stand if they found themselves in just this sort of situation. Chow was no different. As soon as he stood, he moved through the enhanced gravity field as if he were walking through sand. And as soon as he was clear, he moved back towards Mead, who had taken the time to try and recover. He'd learned his lesson, though. Mead didn't let Chow get too close before throwing a right punch to Chow's jaw. It was time to fight back. The initial punch wasn't so much to inflict damage, but to distract Chow from the left-handed haymaker that followed. Chow fell, his lip bleeding profusely as the crowd left to their feet. The sound they made was deafening, but Mead heard none of it. His entire world consisted of the ref counting out Chow. Mead was breathing heavily and his head hurt, but at least he was still alive, which was more than what some of Chow's previous opponents could have said at this point. Chow got up slowly, and Mead saw a newfound, well, it wasn't respect in his eyes, but the man's thinking about their fight had definitely changed. He was slowly realizing that Mead wasn't going to be like the rest of the soft cases he'd put away on his trip up the ranks. 
His opponent moved slowly around the ring, his eyes never leaving Meade's hands. He was watching him, Meade realized, waiting for the right moment to strike, which unfortunately was exactly what Meade was waiting for as well. Chow wouldn't get tired if all they did was dance. The judges would be forced to call a draw, and no one would go home happy. Meade would lose his million-dollar payday, and Chow his shot at the title. There was a lot on the line for both of them. It was just that neither one had figured out how to beat the other one quite yet. Meade decided to make the first move. If he could provoke Chow into one of the frenzies he was so well known for, it would go a long way towards tiring the man out. The only problem was that Meade's original plan had included taking a few shots here and there, but with Chow's brass knuckles and body armor advantages, that would make it infinitely tougher to absorb any blows from him gracefully. Meade looked behind him and saw that the gravity circle he was standing in was about to turn from normal gravity to 2G. He moved to get out in time, but was caught. Suddenly, everything around him became twice as heavy. His hair clung annoyingly to his forehead, and he pushed it out of the way with his glove. Chow halted his advance and watched as he waited for the circle to cycle through the double gravity, knowing the extra weight was tiring Meade out quickly. The weight on Meade was crushing, and he felt his knees begin to wobble. His normal 195-pound body weight was now doubled to nearly 400 pounds. Meade adopted a defensive posture and faced Chow as he stalked Meade within the circle. He would need to be quick. The second the circle changed from 2G to 0, Chow would be on him in an instant. They stared at each other, their eyes never leaving one another as the circle counted down its cycle. The crowd chanted, lost in the fight that had gone from average to interesting. They stared at each other, their eyes never leaving one another as the circle counted down its cycle. The crowd chanted, lost in their desire to see blood spilled. Then, Meade felt the weight suddenly lift and he jumped, hoping to escape before Chow could get a hold of him. And he nearly got away, but Chow was too quick and he was ready for Meade this time. He grabbed Meade's ankle, dragging him back down and bounced him off the deck hard. Chow brought him back up and hit him even harder in the chest, knocking his entire body against the side of the ring. Chow roared with relish and continued to pound at Meade's ribs and chest. He lifted Meade overhead and slammed him back down to the floor, his body bouncing off the rough canvas. Chow raised his fists in victory as the crowd leapt to its feet, shouting its approval of the brutality. Meade felt the wind go out of him and he gasped, feeling as if he were drowning. The bell rang, signifying the end of the second round and saving Meade's bacon for at least the next 30 seconds. The ref moved over to Meade and looked down on him. You okay to continue? The ref asked him. Meade coughed and spat a wad of bloody phlegm onto the ring floor. About as good as can be expected, Meade grumbled. I need to know if you can continue, the ref demanded. Yes, goddammit, Meade snapped. Now leave me alone so I can get back to my corner. He held the side of the ring for support as he moved to his chair that Emmeline put out for him. Her eyes were fixed with a mix of worry and disgust at his stupidity as Meade collapsed onto his chair. He spit his mouth guard into his hand as Emmeline rubbed ointment on his face and applied a thin strip of dermablast to help seal his head wound. You take another shot like that from Chow and I'm stopping that match, Emmeline said firmly. No, I can beat him and don't stop that match, I can beat him. Are you watching the same fight I am, Meade? Emmeline demanded. Chow is out there trying to kill you. He's certainly trying his best, Meade said, wheezing. He spat another bloody wad of phlegm into his spit bucket. But, uh, so will the warlords of the elites if I lose this match and owe them 50 G's. Emmeline's eyes widened and she slapped him across the face. Oh, easy, Meade said, rubbing his cheek. I'm not taking enough of beating out there. You, you moron, she spat out at him. I knew that money was borrowed, but you took money to bet on yourself from Laszlo? Meade shrugged. 
I have a system. Oh, oh, and it's clearly working out real well for you, too, Emmeline said with a disgusted look. What's the vig? Uh, seven and a half points a week, nothing I can't handle. Nothing an employed coalition man couldn't handle. A broke-ass runabout like you couldn't scrape that kind of cheddar together if your life depended on it, which apparently it does. Meade shrugged. Either he kills me, Meade gestured to Chow, who was already standing in his corner waiting for the bell to begin the next round, or Laszlo does. Either way, I'm dead or retired. Seemed like a decent bet to make to me. The bell rang, indicating the start of the third round. I guess we'll find out which it is, Emmeline said sarcastically. Best go get him. Meade put his mouth guard back in and moved back towards the center of the ring. You fucking idiot, she muttered under her breath. The next two rounds saw Meade and Chow trade devastating blows. At one point, Meade even managed to trap Chow on top of the ring's cage, dropping him directly onto a plus 3G circle. Chow nearly didn't get up when the ref was counting him out, but managed to escape just in time. Meade, on the other hand, had been pressed to his limits more than once with Chow. By the beginning of the fourth round, he counted at least four broken ribs and his right ear was pouring blood. His jaw was clicking every time he moved it, and he was pretty sure he was missing at least two teeth. The man hit hard, even without his enhancements. But the vicious fight was taking its toll on Chow as well. Meade was pleased to see that his opponent was finally beginning to tire. But he was getting tired too, and that's when he made his first mistake. Meade accidentally stumbled back into a plus 4G circle and felt the gravity overwhelm him. His legs protested the sudden new weight and he fell to one knee. He cursed himself for being an idiot and not paying attention to where he was standing in the ring. It was a rookie mistake, the type of thing Chow often used to win his matches, and he wasn't about to let this opportunity pass either. Meade looked up to see his opponent's massive fists swinging towards his head. Fortunately for Meade, they were glancing blows, since Chow was doing his best to stay outside the plus 4G circle while attacking his opponent trapped inside. Meade cried out after the blows rained down on him and fell to both knees. The ref appeared next to the circle and began counting him out. One! The ref cried out. Meade knew he only had a few more seconds to get back on at least one knee or he'd lose everything. Chow wasn't letting up though. He kicked him in the stomach and Meade landed belly first on the rough green canvas. He felt blood trickling out of the side of his mouth and his vision began to dim. Four! Four? How the hell did I miss two and three? Meade wondered to himself and glanced at the canvas below him. He smiled. The countdown was nearing the point where it would switch to zero-G again. It would be close, but he might have enough time left between the ref's count to ten and the countdown on his circle. Six! There were two seconds left on the mat. Chow had taken a step back, not wanting to stumble into the plus-four-G circle before he had won. He was a cautious fighter, and that made him incredibly dangerous. Fortunately for Meade, he wasn't so cautious, and that made him even more dangerous. Nine! The mat switched from plus 4G to 0G, and Meade pushed himself up and off the mat, springing to the top of the cage as the auditorium exploded in applause and cheers. Somehow, during the match, Meade's scrappy fighting style had won the crowd over, and many were now cheering him. He clung to the roof of the cage and glanced through the blood and hair that was blocking his vision to see the ambassador staring at him with a quiet smile on her face. She was enjoying this almost too much. He looked back down at Chow, who paced below like a trapped tiger. The bell rang, signifying the end of the fourth round, and the arena erupted in cheers. Meade slowly floated back down to the mat and limped back over to his corner. <sighs> Final round, he thought to himself. 
If Chow's not tired, I sure as shit am. Emmeline moved over to him, her eyes wide. That, that was incredible, she gushed. How did you... Mead waved her off tiredly and spat out his math guard, motioning for his water. She gladly obliged, spraying some into his mouth. He spat into the bucket and leaned back, hoping the aches and pains in his muscles and bones would just go away. Fortunately, one way or another, in a few more minutes, he'd be able to get the finest painkillers the Coalition had to offer. Or failing that, two or three shots of Emmeline's special blend would do in a pinch. (sighs) He's not getting tired, Meade said dejectedly through his heaving chest. Can you beat him? Emmeline asked. He hesitated. I'm not sure. I I don't think you need to, Emmeline said, excited. You've proven so much already just lasting four rounds with him. Think about it. I can stop the fight, and no one will look at you twice. You could even make your money back by touring the circuit. People damn sure know who you are now. Meade shook his head. I beat him now, or I fail. There's no playing this off. The bell rang, signifying the beginning of the end. She stared at him, his white towel in her hands, her eyes glistening. You son of a bitch. I won't watch you die, Emmeline snapped and threw the towel at him as she stalked off. Meade shrugged and shook his head. What the hell has gotten into her? Chow stood in the center of the ring waiting for him. He moved to the center and they touched gloves for the last time. Chow grabbed him for a second and Meade looked into his eyes. What he saw there wasn't rage or anger or even the dispassionate disconnect most fighters had when they were in the ring. Instead, there was only sadness and pain. Chow drew Meade in gently, holding his wrist and whispering into his ear. I won't be stopped. Green is mine. I'm sorry it has to be this way. Meade stepped back, confused by his opponent's words. Chow gave a half smirk, nodded as if he were sorry, and then threw one of the hardest punches Meade had ever felt in his life. Meade woke up on the mat with a ref standing over him, counting. Seven! Eight! Meade pulled himself together and woozily grabbed the metal post next to where he had landed after Chow's devastating blow. He pulled himself to his feet. Nine! The referee grabbed Meade's hands and looked into his eyes, looking for any indication of brain damage or concussion. Meade was sure there was at least some brain damage, although most of that was probably there before this fight. He probably had a concussion too, but he wouldn't let the ref know that. Last one of those. Next time you go down, fight's over. You hear me? Meade snapped back to attention and hoped he could sell that he was all right to the ref. No, no, Meade said. I'm, I'm fine. Last round, let's do this. The ref looked at him and back up at the arena crowd that had worked themselves into a frenzy. He even glanced up at the ambassador, who nodded. The referee let go of Meade's wrists and moved back to the center of the ring. He reset the fighters who stood there, opposing each other, both looking more than a little beat up. Meade instantly retreated. He wouldn't give Chow the satisfaction of catching him off guard like that again. The flashing circles were switching quickly between 0G and plus 5G. Chow was breathing heavily as he chased after him, and Meade knew this was the moment he'd been waiting for. He moved towards a plus 5G circle. Chow followed him, and they cautiously traded blows, neither fighter landing a punch that gave him any sort of advantage. Meade moved as close to the edge of the plus 5G as he dared, feeling the slight tug of the enhanced gravity pulling at parts of his body. Chow moved, throwing everything he had into a punch towards Meade, hoping to finish him off now. He leapt back, timing it perfectly. The mat switched from plus 5G to 0G. Meade leaned back and watched as Chow's massive fist moved in front of his face, as if moving in slow motion. He grabbed Chow's fist, stepped back into the 0G circle, and jumped, 
twisting his opponent's arm as he rose, leveraging the man, flipping him head over foot. Meade landed on Chow's back with most of the big man's upper chest and head in the circle. He wrenched the arm up and behind Chow's back as hard as he could to keep his opponent down far enough so that the ref could begin counting him out. The ref began his count as Chow struggled to break Meade's vice-like grip. Meade's gloves were slick with sweat and they were beginning to slip on Chow's tawny arms, but he held fast. All he had to do was hold on for a few more seconds and the circle would cycle back to plus 5G. Five, the ref called out. The crowd was on their feet. Even the ambassador was standing to get a better look at Meade taking his opponent apart in the ring. They were chanting his name, not that he had noticed, intent as he was to keeping Chow down until the enhanced gravity kicked in. The canvas flashed and a crimson five appeared in the middle of the circle. Chow howled in pain as his head and upper chest were crushed by five times normal gravity. Meade stood, knowing the 5G circle would do the rest for him. Nine! And that's ten! The referee counted Chow out and the arena exploded in cheers. The ref came up behind Meade and raised his arm into the air, signifying his victory. For his part, he was almost too tired to care that he won. He was even too tired to figure out how much money he had just won. After taxes and paying off debts, there probably wouldn't be enough left over for him to actually retire, but it might be enough to buy a stake into a producing ori mine, and that might be enough to help him retire to one of the home world's orbital cities. Ladies and gentlemen! The booming voice of the announcer blasted out of every speaker in the arena. It is my pleasure to award tonight's match to... Suddenly, his mic was cut off in a squeal of feedback to the consternation of the whole audience. Meade looked over at the judges' table where the announcer had been taken aside by three men in dark suits. Ladies and gentlemen, the announcer's voice was much more subdued. I'm afraid we've had a technical violation. Please stand by and hold all bets. A shiver of fear struck Meade. The crowd was unsure how to react as they murmured to each other, asking what possible violation the judges could be referring to. No one had any idea. The announcer, looking very pale, stepped away from the conferring judges in the men in suits and got back on the mic. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid there's been a technical violation during the fourth round, the announcer said apologetically. The yellow corner has been cited for violating established rules of conduct during a count. Without this violation, the blue corner would have won the match at the end of the fourth round. With this violation in mind, the judges have deliberated and decided to award the match, its purse, and all privileges that entails to Kevin Chow. Meade went numb. He didn't understand. What violation? The crowd didn't understand the judge's decision either, and their protests grew louder. In fact, things were beginning to deteriorate to the point where it could turn into a riot. Bookies were nervously looking at each other, wondering what they should do and who they should pay off. They began to back away from the angry mob that had begun to form at the rail that separated the audience from the bookies. No one knew if they should pay off bets for Chow or, or for Meade. Everyone who had laid money on the match was demanding payment. Emmeline approached him, shouting something, but Meade couldn't hear a thing over the roar of the riotous crowd. Instead, he turned, ignoring her, and walked to his dressing room, leaving her behind. The ambassador's security chief leaned into the ambassador and whispered something. Her entourage rose from the seats in the VIP box far above the arena. The change in the crowd's mood made it likely that a riot was imminent and the ambassador needed to be made safe. Suddenly, a Molotov cocktail flew over his head, striking the wire mess on the ring's cage. It burst into flame, and the crowd cheered the destruction and chaos. 
A dozen coalition MPs rushed into the arena and began spraying the crowd with dispersal foam. The foam was designed to irritate the lungs, nose, skin, and was very effective at taking the fight out of any rioter. The crowd quickly gave up their fight as people trampled over each other to exit the arena and get away from the gas before the coalition MPs decided more drastic measures were needed to break up the riot. Meade ignored the world that was falling apart around him and focused on his own personal catastrophe. Meade opened the door leading back to his dressing room and walked inside, ignoring the riot that was developing around him at the moment. he lost everything. He had won, but still, somehow, managed to lose everything. With no credits, or credit to be had, Palmetto was right. Meade was a dead man walking. It was only a matter of time.